and they would have their they promised to have their eye on those guys and they made good on their promise by bringing in the, really the biggest fish in wide receiver free agency Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, July the 17th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Easton Fries. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runke. JT, it's D-Hop Day. How you doing, man? It is D-Hop Day, and the Titans finally listened to our prayers. Not that <laughs> our prayers were to get D-Hop, but they actually dumped news on a day where we're actually recording a show so (laughs) we so we're not late we're perfectly timed for this news so i'm maybe that's i'm even more excited about that than deandre hopkins coming yes i texted you earlier today like an hour after the news had broken which of course will be 99 percent of our show today going through every possible angle of the titans finally um, later this week officially adding deandre hopkins to their roster for 2023 and 2024 but I texted you and I was like, dude, I- impact on the Titans in this season aside, like I, the the July content desert had st- not, you know, like I'd put up, we'd been putting up a really good fight. We, we'd had plenty of reserves in the tank. We'd had ideas. We were we were making do with what we had, trying to make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Throughout the dog days of summer. But in the last like 10 days, man, the content desert was starting to win. It was starting to get me down. I was having to drag myself to do anything job related, work related, following the Titans, making Titans content. And then within an hour of this news dropping, and we are also on the heels of um, uh, for, uh, totally blanking uh, training camp. I had OTA stuck in my head training camp like I'm back, baby. So we're we're so back. I feel it's just it's manna from heaven. It's just injected into my veins. We've got stuff to talk about. It's fresh. It's new. And uh, I cannot wait for really the next like six months of our lives are going to be so awesome compared to somebody. Uh, we're, somebody we're a friend with the other day asked us like, hey, is like because we were complaining. Ah, come on, training camp. Got to get here. Like, is training camp really that fun? It's like, dude, compared to the last six weeks, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. Like, it's so much fun compared to what we've been going through. So. We've got big news. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, was announced today um, by originally Doug Kayed, who covers the Patriots up in New England, and I believe now works for A to Z Sports, uh, their New England uh, division up there, announced that the Titans would be this upcoming week signing DeAndre Hopkins to a deal. The The deal was agreed to in, in terms um, verbally has not been signed yet. That'll come later this week. And of course, we'll talk about those details as they come out. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, obviously. So we've got a, a good bit of the contract information now, but not all of it. Um, hopefully by Monday morning when this show comes out, it's not super outdated and, and you don't have a ton of new information. But if you do kind of supplement that with the basics of what we know now. Um, my, my, my initial thought was this, JT. Titans, you know, head coach Mike Vrabel, GM Rankarthen said after their nearly wide receiver lists, free agency, offseason and then draft cycle that there would be options out there this summer and they would have their they promised to have their eye on those guys and they made good on their promise by bringing in the, the, really the biggest fish in wide receiver free agency of the entire offseason in DeAndre Hopkins uh, I would here at the top just there's a number of things I want to get to here that are just kind of how we got here some some recap of some facts and thoughts, and then we'll talk about the contract specifics and how his addition to the roster changes things for this Titans team. But I would, at the top, like to formally apologize for single-handedly being the reason DeAndre Hopkins was not going to sign with the Titans, as dozens of bozos on the internet told me about a month ago um, because of a silly little tweet that I sent out that DeAndre Hopkins DM'd me in appreciation of. Um, that was that was fun, fun while that lasted. I, I have been sitting on that for, since then, Really uh, waiting for, if he didn't sign with the Titans, the barrage of hate, it's all your fault that I was promised a month ago. Um, Or, like is the case now, the opportunity to say, I guess that makes me, I get to claim responsibility for this, right? Isn't that how that works? And it was going to be my fault that he didn't sign because he did sign. My joke was the reason he signed. That's obviously, duh, that's that's clearly the the thing that that put it over the edge for the Titans. So you're welcome, Tennessee. I expect my paycheck in the mail. Um, 
I also want to point out, like, I'm kind of confused as to how this happened, considering the Titans flew him southwest. Like, I was told that that's something that was a deal breaker. And Are they truly big, the biggest massive... winners of the week? <laughs> southwest? southwest Airlines? Southwest. Shout out Southwest for apparently service worthy of a massive signing. <laughs> and then the last thing I have to point out is that, you know, I just I can't believe the Titans let DeAndre Hopkins walk out of that door back on June 11th when they met with him, had a, a CMA Fest weekend of fun. And then they let him they let him leave the facility and go to his previously scheduled visit with the New England Patriots. How how could they? Clearly, if they were serious about signing DeAndre Hopkins, they would have given him an offer right then that he could not refuse. And clearly, they just they weren't serious about it. So that shame on them. Shame on them for not caring way back then. Those are all points, uh, all takes that have floated around the Internet in the last two months. Um, that were ridiculous at the time and are now even more ridiculous. And just, you got, you got to point out, you got to call some people out sometimes calling out the folks that, that said any of that nonsense. Okay. Nonsense. Stop it. Be better in the future. Please take this as a learning opportunity. Okay, cool. So the details, um, of this we'll get into in a second. Uh, I, I will. Uh, I thought I was done trolling one more troll. It is today as we're recording JT, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. And so I just I put this out on Twitter. I think it's important for I've already sent up my prayer for the day. JT, I know you're not a super religious guy, but you should probably send up a prayer as well. Just for all those Texans fans that are going through it right now. Can't be a good time for them at, at this point. Um, really can't be enjoying this in the slightest. Um, there's a lot of this image floating around on the Internet today, which if you're watching with us on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page or on Twitter, you will see is the DeAndre Hopkins Oilers throwback uniform edit, which is glorious and delicious looking um, and on him just even that much sweeter because this is a guy that I'm sure for a long time, many Texans fans were hoping we get to see this guy in an Oilers uniform one day. Careful what you wish for, pal. Wish granted. He's, he's going to be wearing an Oilers uniform twice this season, at least. And uh, I would I, it feels like it, it the, the Titans would. I'd, I'd lose a lot of faith in them as an organization if, at this point if they did not make one of those throwback uniform dates this year, one of the Texans games. Like, I, I'll be shocked if it's not one of them, won't you? Yeah, but like also, just the totally aside, like the creamsicle bucks versus the Oilers throwbacks. Oh, would I know. Also be I want it. an electric week. So maybe that and then also trolling the Texans week. Yeah, Texans at home the in the yes. blue homes and then oil, uh, uh, Oiler away jerseys in Tampa Bay against the Creamsicle. That's that would be if you gave me the reins to design the schedule for alternate uniforms, that would be how I'd handle it. To be fair to Tennessee Titans fans, DeAndre Hopkins was literally a terrorist for years. Like he would terrorize them on the field every single time he took the field. In the Houston Texans jersey, I saw somebody on Twitter compiled his career stats against the Titans, and it was like seven 100-yard receiving games, one 200-yard receiving games, a bajillion touchdowns, and a quadrillion yards. Um, so it's just it's justice, if you ask me. I think that it's just fair for the Titans to get the sloppy seconds of, or thirds of DeAndre Hopkins here. And uh, a player who we're going to talk about, you know, we have already talked about all summer. Is it wise to bring him in? He's 31 years old. Does he still have it? What does he still have? What can he offer to the team? Blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about all of that in a second. But um, it is it is fun to think about Texans fans really going through it right now. It is also going to be super fun this week, JT. And you you know as well as I do. This is It's coming. It's The takes are loading. It's going to be fun watching the Titans go from contending for the number one overall draft pick in the 2024 NFL draft to serious contenders in the division and maybe sleepers in the AFC. All because they added one aging star wide receiver in the eyes of the national media. That's going to be the take all week long. And uh, it's going to be super fun to watch that happen because, uh, you know, national media always have a great finger on the pulse of the Tennessee Titans and what exactly is going on there. Let's let's talk about. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. This is this is an important thing from um, somebody that I that I respect and, and follow their work and they do a great job. Um in John McClain, who has covered the Texans for well before you and I were ever born, JT, has been working, I believe, at the Houston Chronicle for years and years and years. He tweeted out today that in discussion about why he chose Tennessee over New England, he said that I can't imagine anyone who's followed the Texans closely being surprised that Hopkins and Bill O'Brien knew 
New England Patriots offensive coordinator, aren't going to be reunited with the Patriots. Knowing their relationship, I'm certainly not. This is to remind folks, a guy in Bill O'Brien who once publicly referred to or uh, analogized DeAndre Hopkins to um, to Aaron Hernandez in terms of character. So that that is a guy that I think was always an interesting fit to put them back together. I, I was always kind of skeptical of Hopkins ability, just like, I don't know, psychoanalyzing a little bit. He's never really seemed like the kind of guy personality wise that doesn't hold a grudge. I think he's one of those elite athletes that remembers everything and absolutely holds a grudge against people. And I was always going to be surprised if he let the money, I mean, listen, money is the king. I get it, but let the money dictate that over um, the fact that he probably still despises Bill O'Brien and those two don't get along very well. Um, something that, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, but something that is interesting and really, I think, prescient at this point, JT, in the DeAndre Hopkins situation, you know, we spent the entire draft weekend talking about like, okay, here, here are the guys that are remaining. The wide receivers left on the board. The Titans could target. We like this guy for this reason, this guy for this reason, blah, 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 blah. And they just never, never got anybody. They they went with Colton Dowell in this, in the final round of the draft. And, and that's all they did in terms of adding wide receiver help. And of course, there's a lot of outrage brought on by that. Well, how could you? What are you doing? And that was asked about in the post-draft press conference by Paul Kaharski, amongst others. Like, you know, what's going on? What's the plan at wide receiver? Are you happy with what you have at wide receiver? Talk us through the decision not to target a receiver. And some of those quotes, at least for me, and I'd imagine you too, since it's been your job this whole time as well to follow the Titans, like they've kind of stuck with me. This one in particular, this from Mike Vrabel after the draft, quote, free agency is not over. They're going to let us sign free agents on Monday. They will. Free agency is going to go all the way up until the season starts. There will be players that are on other teams that will become available. Chad and Vin will help us with the salary cap and find ways to open up salaries so that we could potentially sign other players. There's a pretty good process here, and I'm excited about it. That quote in particular really stuck with me in my head. And at the time, even, I remember being like, you know, I wonder, uh, we may have talked about it on the show. I wonder if this is like with DeAndre Hopkins kind of in mind. I don't know if he was a free agent at the time yet, or if he was still with the Cardinals, but a trade prospect. Regardless, he was available one way or another, right? He was because <clears throat> during this time, he was not cut yet, but was okay. being floated around as in a package that was going to send the Titans oh, right. um, the third right. overall pick. For, for so draft. you have to wonder yeah. that, if in these talks to go up and potentially go get a CJ Stroud, like they were planning to right. do, um, it's kind of hard to not think that maybe Mike Vrabel or Rand Carthen caught wind of Austin Fort and the Cardinals plans to cut Deandre Hopkins. And they kind of maybe knew that that was what was going to happen. So um, well, and that's, and that's a fascinating point that you bring up because I, I hadn't thought about that. And I, do you remember at the time, that report came out literally like, you know, the hour before the draft started. Yes. And then there were some credible people saying like that part's not true. Yeah. The Titans were considering moving up, but the whole Deandre Hopkins being thrown in as a package, like that's not a part of it. Maybe that's not true. Maybe, maybe it really was a part. Maybe they were interested all along. I think that's certainly a possibility. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, especially coming back to the, the kind of, Mike Vrabel alluding to there are going to be players like it's, it's hard to mm -hmm. not connect the dots there with, with all the buzz surround the buzz or fake buzz or surrounding Deandre Hopkins had to be, his name had to be mentioned at least once in, in conversations for that to even become a thing. I feel like during draft season. So I, just kind of a little bit of connecting the dots, but here we are now about three months later or so. Yeah, and so they they have, you know, you flash forward to, to late July, they make good on their statement by landing the biggest wide receiver fish of the offseason. And to flash back once more, you know, we go back to when DeAndre Hopkins went on record with what his wish list was for his new team. The three, the three bullet points he gave were stable management, of which the Titans have. Mike Vrabel is not going anywhere, and they have a brand new GM who, you know, to met would imagine has a multi-year leash a QB who loves the game. People misconstrued this part. People were like, he said he wanted a great QB. No, no, he did not. He said he wanted a QB that loves the game. Now, he, is that, he was, I, he was, I'm not sure what he, he means by that QB, exactly. And then he also sure. I'm, no, I'm sure was he, asked I'm to sure he rank. Did. He was asked to rank his top five quarterbacks. And I feel like 
yes. everyone in the media kind of just like jumbled those together. Put and those was together. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? So like it's very different, but two different questions that kind of gave one answer to the media, at least. Right. And I mean, in terms of this list, a QB that loves the game, Ryan Tannehill, certainly a gamer, certainly a baller, certainly loves loves to play ball. And then the third one, which cert- I mean, there's no argument, a great defense because defense wins championships. This Titans defense, we have really high hopes for, and they, you know, are returning practically everybody from last year's defense that was really fantastic under DC Shane Bowen, who is a a guy that in the past month I've been hearing for the first time as like a guy that may be a future head coaching candidate, like he's starting to get traction nationally. So this guy's work is being noticed by people, certainly DeAndre Hopkins, if this list was truly what he was considering. And um, I think, in my opinion, I said this at the time, I think the Titans do check all three of those boxes, whether you believe those are truly the number one, two, and three things he's looking for. That's a different question. But if this is what it is, then I think that the Titans fit the bill. And apparently DeAndre Hopkins felt like with these things, in addition to the money, which I think we can all realize at this point was the primary driver in this. And there's a good reason to believe that what the Titans ended up giving him was the biggest offer on the table. The, The Titans were the correct fit for him. And that's why he made the decision. Um, Another thing in retrospect that I think is interesting to talk about is the entire 2023 offseason wide receiver market at large. This from Spotrack is the top 2023 free agent wide receiver contracts. You've got Alan Lazard, four-year, $44 million deal. Jacoby Myers, three-year, $33 million deal. D-Hop, two-year, $26 million deal, which we'll go into more detail later. Juju Smith-Schuster, three-year, $25.5 million deal. Adam Thielen, three for 25 million. Robert Woods, two for 15.25 million. OBJ for one at 15 million. And Darius Slayton, two for 12 million. JT, I'm old enough to remember all the way back to the spring when so many Titans fans were furious over Tennessee's perceived lack of interest in most of the names on this list. And now today you can kind of look at that list and be like, patience prevailed this time. I think that it's, it's, eminently true that the Titans probably have the best deal on this list in terms of value. I mean, OBJ, a player coming off of an ACL tear, the second kind of consecutive ACL tear for him gets a larger deal than DeAndre Hopkins, who last year coming off of a injury unrelated PED suspension is on pace for a 1400 yard seven, eight, nine, 10 touchdown season still looks like he's an elite receiver, even at his old age. Like that's, I think a very, very good deal. And people should realize that, Hey, sometimes being patient is the best way to go about things, even in NFL free agency, not all the time, but sometimes one more thing before we get into the contract details that I I found interesting from the, the reaction online today to this signing was what Robert Mays said, who (laughs) I, butchered his name when we had Michelle on or not butchered. I just blanked on his name. Um, but Robert is a great guy, obviously a brilliant, brilliant guy. We got to meet, uh, in Indianapolis at the combine, sweet, sweet man. And a sweet NFL mind on the NFL, uh, athletic football show, the athletic NFL football show, a great podcast worth listening to, by the way, just a free plug there. It's, it's really high quality stuff. He tweeted out today. What an interesting team. The Titans are competitive defense, capable quarterback with a highly drafted rookie in waiting a pair of 30 something big name investments at wide receiver and running back, even though Henry's not 30 yet and an O-line in deep rebuilding mode. This feels like a refusal to not compete while simultaneously turning the page. And JT, I think that sums it up perfectly. Essentially do not ever tell Mike Vrabel that he has to choose between competing or reloading. He simply wants to do both. And he simply We'll try, I think, no matter the circumstance, to do both. A friend of ours who I mentioned this to was like, yes, totally agree. And also, I feel like it's also you know, a result of the circumstance situation of the AFC South. You know, They're uniquely positioned to kind of try to do both. And I agreed with him. And I said, I think that that is eminently true and important um, and, and a pivotal part of that decision for any rational person. But I don't know, JT, knowing Mike a little bit, having spoken with him personally, I kind of wonder if he even has that amount of quit in him. Like if this team was in the same situation internally, but you throw them into the, you know, the AFC East with the bills and the dolphins and the Patriots and the jets, 
And there may be a lot more reason like, okay, just tear it down. You're not going to compete in this division. Just, you know, just start over. I still kind of think Mike Ray would try anyways. Like, I think he's just determined to never take a step back. He will always try to will his team, no matter who he has in terms of personnel. And Mina Kimes pointed this out earlier. In December, he's always going to will them to relevancy or try or die trying. I, I mean, I agree. You mean the, the the AFC East is the perfect comparison because where did Mike Vrabel come from? What 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 team mm. did he come from that where he learned a lot of what makes him a great coach now is New England. And I mean, yep. if I mean, I think we'd be saying the same thing about Bill Belichick and the Patriots right now if DeAndre Hopkins went to new England, like the exact same thing would be said, would be said, like they are, they are, they're in a division that is heavily stacked against them considering the star power mm-hmm. that the bills jets and dolphins have, but God forbid that bill Belichick doesn't try to get them back to relevancy <laughs> yeah. and, and compete. Right. So I, I mean, I mean, it makes yep. total sense in my mind. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the contract details. And again, we're trying to covering this news story from every possible angle. So let's talk about the the facts on the ground money-wise. Ian Rappaport sent out the details of this move via Twitter, saying that the Titans are giving star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins a two-year, $26 million deal worth up to $32 million with incentives. According to sources, he gets a base salary of $12 million in year one with a chance to take that number up to $15 million. Um, well, just thinking about how this contract is, is constructed, I'm guessing, and I think I saw Mike Herndon say this as well, that year two probably isn't guaranteed, uh, isn't fully guaranteed. Um, maybe not even half of it. Well, maybe, maybe half of it is, is guaranteed, but probably a much smaller chunk than what the, he's going to get in year one with that base of 12 million, 12 million. But regardless of what year two looks like that 12 million alone leaves them in a circumstance now in which they have to create some money somewhere, which is not a big deal. As we've mentioned throughout the summer, while the salary cap number on the surface looks like they don't have a ton of room. They, I believe right as of right now, according to the NFL PA and Spotrack and an OTC, they are at just under $10 million in cap space. If I'm not mistaken, um, that's still not enough to, to sign him at that $12 million base salary this first year. One would imagine And um, while that seems like a bad situation on the surface of readily available cap space that they have right now, they do have, I think, close to $50 million worth in cap space they can access via simple restructures and some some basic cap maneuverability, such as a Derrick Henry extension, a Ryan Tannehill extension, a Kevin Byard extension. Or the one that I think is probably the most likely, a Harold Landry restructure of his mega contract that was signed um, about a year ago. I'd imagine that's probably what they do, considering those first three players I named are older and probably in the minds of the Titans front office, a part of that old guard that they're not wanting to devote much more future resources to, to really lock themselves down with, tie themselves down to. Um, Harold Landry's different. You know, he's a significantly younger player. They just gave him a big, big cash contract that is going to be a multi-year impact on their books. He's going to be around no matter what might as well just restructure him at his age and his ability. Let's just push that down the road a little bit to make some room for Deandre Hopkins. That'd be my guess as to how they get him in under the cap. Um, the incentives in question where he can go from $12 million this year up to 15 and on the life of the contract from 26 up to 32. If you're watching with us on Broadway sports media's YouTube page or on Twitter, which I recommend you do, you can see uh, this was also, I believe according to Ian Rappaport put out these numbers and these are in year one, his incentives for catches yards and touchdowns. So he will make 250 extra thousand dollars for 65 catches 500 grand for 75, 750 for 85, and a million extra bucks for 95 catches. 250,000 yards, he'll make seven, or, uh, $250,000 if you make 750 yards, 500 grand for 850 yards, 750K for 950 yards, and a million dollars if he eclipses 1050 in the yards category. And then for touchdowns, 250, 500, 750, and a million dollars um, in order for four, six, eight, and 10 touchdowns on the year. Now, for context, that's a lot of numbers I just threw at you that it's confusing. Um, but but to put this into context, Hopkins was on pace. And again, he only played nine games last year. Uh, he, he missed two on the back end 
for really just shutting it down with an injury, but he was really just shutting it down and six on the front end for the PED suspension. He was on pace for a roughly 1400 yard season. Um, and so he was uh, on pace to reach these max incentives for catches and yards last season. So that would have netted him two extra million dollars. And then the second incentive tier for touchdowns. So that uh, $2.5 million he would have gotten in incentives if last year, um, his performance last year is identical to this year and he plays all 17 games. The best Titans wide receiver season of the Vrabel era, just to give you an idea of what a receiver you know from Arizona could come in and do in Tennessee. The best receiver season that we've seen is a 23-year-old A.J. Brown in 2020, I believe, um, who had uh, just over 1,000 yards and I think something like 760 catches or something like that. But he, in that season, would have hit the max for yards and touchdowns, but just the first tier for catches. So that would be uh, $2.25 million. Point being, these incentives, I think, are fair for both sides. Clearly, DeAndre Hopkins is capable of reaching these numbers and getting a, a big chunk of change added onto his contract this year. But also, knowing the Titans and their culture, the way that they play the game, the way that historically receivers have performed in their offense, um, and that's a 23-year-old A.J. Brown in the prime of his career with a year in the Titan system under his belt compared to a stud, DeAndre Hopkins, but his first year in a system. Well, actually, you know, with, with Tim Kelly, he's, you know, there's some familiarity there, but first year in Tennessee under the system and uh, at 31 years old, one would argue probably not likely that he matches those numbers really at all a possibility, but I think it's, it's un more unlikely than not. So a, a fair, um, I think a, a fair rate for both sides of the coin there. And then our buddy Zach Lyons over at football and other F words points out, I mean, in terms of how these incentives count against the Titans books, this is something that I did not know. I learned this today. He says, for incentives to count against the cap, they have to be, quote, likely to be earned, unquote. That determination is based on the player's previous season's performance. So with DeAndre Hopkins' 2022 performance of 64 catches, 717 yards, and three touchdowns, none of these incentives will count against the Titans cap in 2023, even if he maxes out all of them, has an incredible season, and gets that full $15 million salary those will not count those three million dollars will not count against the titans cap so no worries there all right jt let's talk about what i'm most interested to talk about with the deandre hopkins edition which we've you know we've we've talked about hypothetically for months now what would deandre hopkins mean for this team well now let's talk about what will deandre hopkins mean for this team in terms of his impact on the roster let me start with this and we've talked about this dear especially during otas trying to figure out you know who, which receivers will and won't make this roster trying to predict what will this team look like at the end of August. When I now look ahead to roster construction and cut downs at the end of August, the Titans adding DeAndre Hopkins nearly solidifies to me who is and is not making the 53 man roster. So Burks, Phillips, NWI, and and Chris Moore were always locks in my opinion. I think all four of those players, based on their contracts, based on how much I can tell the team likes them based on how you, much they're being utilized in practice from what I've seen and based on, frankly, their ability compared to some of the guys that are competing for that spot. Just kind of the, there's a bit of a divide between the top. It's relative, but top end talent at receiver on this team in those guys versus the, a lot of the rookies and kind of riffraff at the bottom. I feel like they're pretty safe. Now you put D hop in that list. So now DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Nick Westbrook-Akine, and Chris Moore. In my opinion, those are five guys that are a lock. Which would mean that there's probably just one receiver position left unless this team keeps seven receivers, which I'll talk about the possibility of in a second. Before this news today, Colton Dowell, seventh-round Titans wide receiver uh, rookie, he felt like a 90-95% proposition, in my opinion, um, to make the roster and then guys like McMath and Jacob Copeland and all those guys just behind him would be left fighting for that sixth spot when, when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't in the picture now with him in the picture, Colton Dowell, assuming he takes that sixth spot, we pencil him in at six behind those top five guys that, that pushes everybody else out of the equation Unless Dowell has a disastrous August and or somebody just goes thermonuclear nuclear and proves themselves or somebody, God forbid, gets injured. And that changes the math entirely. 
Um, so I, maybe you have some thoughts on that, but, um, there's a number of guys in Jacob Copeland and Kiaris Jackson and, um, Racy McMath and Mason Kinsey and Reggie Roberson Jr. Who I just, I think that now their odds of, I mean, their odds were already pretty slim to make this roster. I felt like one, maybe two of them would make the cut. I, I kind of think that this is a bad day for them in terms of their odds to make the team. What say you? Unfortunately, I I have to agree. Um, more so for, I think, a guy like Jacob Copeland, who I thought mm. showed in very limited capacity some flashes in uh, rookie yes. camp and OTAs. Um, a little unfortunate because I think if he were to get moved to a practice squad, he'd get eaten up by another team pretty easily um, somewhere else. Yep. Um, but I, I really liked what what he showed already, but it, it's really hard to argue against keeping the guy that you drafted, which is Colton Dow. And a lot of these other guys like Racy McMath and Mason Kinsey and a lot of these other guys who have been just kind of fighting for that last spot have kind of had their time. And it, it just, it is not enough. I believe unless like you said, no. Colton Dowell just absolutely implodes and shows absolutely nothing in, in training camp, which I highly doubt it, it doesn't seem like there's going yeah. to be room for any of those guys. No, I, I agree. And um, yeah, I just, I, I think the Titans are going to try their best to, to stash as many of these young potentially promising rookies on the practice squad. Um, one might argue, well, Hey, you know, the sunk cost fallacy, right? Colton Dowell, you don't have to keep him on the team just because he's a guy that you invested a draft pick in instead of signing as UDFA. And I would largely agree. Like, yes, you should. Now that he's on the team, now that these guys are all on the team, you should look at them as equals and not consider the, the capital that went into bringing them in. That's a sunk cost. But that doesn't really have any bearing on my decision, my, my thinking, that he's much more of a lock to make this roster than not. It's it's really just, like, if you were there at OTAs, you would probably be agreeing with me. Like, there's a pretty significant difference, I think, in both talent and level of play and competency out there on the practice field, whether it's in individual drills or whether it is in 7-on-7 seven seven or whether it is on 11-on-11. 11 11. He just looks the part much more than these guys that are Talented for sure, but just more raw. And and he's a raw guy. I mean, Colton Dow is not a finished product in the slightest, but he looks like a guy that could actually contribute this year. Whereas those guys, maybe less so. Um, a point that we've talked about on this show some in regards to DeAndre Hopkins that Mina Kimes, I saw Mina Kimes bring it back up today on Twitter. When Tim Kelly was the OC in Houston back in 2019, D Hop played inside at a much higher rate. And she said that she wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of him in the slot this year. I, I think that's hundred percent correct. I think that that is eminently true. And I think that, you know, people are going to say, you know, great. Now you've got Deandre Hopkins on the outside. You've got, uh, or excuse me, you've got, yeah. Deandre Hopkins on the outside, Traylon Brooks on the outside, Kyle Phillips on the inside, Chicka Conquit tight end, Derrick Henry running back. Let's rock and roll. And yes, that's going to be a fun package. I think that will be a package you see, but I think people are underestimating just how much we're going to see the Traylon Burks NWI on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins on the inside, Derrick Henry or, or Tajay Spears at running back package. Like, I think that they're going to go maybe more heavy personnel on the outside more often than you think getting two big bodied guys on the field in, in Burks and in WI and keeping DeAndre Hopkins on the field as well in the slot as a, you know, big ish slot. Like that's going to be appetizing to them. We'll know a lot more. I mean, I'll know a lot more when we get to go to training camp here in, in a couple of days, but will not shock me at all. If that's something that happens, which is a bummer for, for guys like you and me, who are, we're, we're a fan of the potential of Kyle Phillips. And I think that that's not, it's not going to shut him down by any means this year. I still think that functionally he may statistically may end up being the wide receiver three on this team at the end of the year. But, but if he's the four, it wouldn't shock me either. If NWI gets more play this year than people think. And um, just because of the very different kind of polar opposite skill sets of those two guys, they aren't on the field together much, and NWI is getting just as much play on the field as Kyle Phillips. But we'll see. It's really it's a new offense. You never know. Tim Kelly is, I'm sure he has a plan for how he wants to utilize these guys. We'll find out much more in a couple of days. Um, speaking of people on the team, JT, I just kind of want to throw it all out there, and we've we've done this song and dance a number of times throughout the offseason. But now we get to add a pretty important name into the mix. Let me name for you the top six 
receiving threats on this team. And again, we've been trying all season, off season, to reframe people's perspective of quit thinking about receivers. Like, oh, what's this? What's their receiving ability? Let me pull up the receiver depth chart. No, my friend, look at the tight ends and the running backs and the receivers, and consider their receiving ability. And that's what you want to figure. It's the proper equation for how how fiery, how explosive your receiving game can be. The top six guys on this team now are obviously Traylon Burks, wide receiver Traylon Burks, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver Kyle Phillips, tight end Chigakonkwo, running back Derrick Henry, and running back Tajay Spears. You officially cannot tell me the Titans receiving game doesn't have serious big boy potential this season. And I've been saying it all summer long that I think that this team, yes, does have a significant issue in the receiving department at the wide receiver position. But it's largely depth and not their top-end talent. I thought the top-end talent had so much potential, what the Titans saw in them in terms of the potential that, that they were expecting for these guys to start to, to reach that ceiling was, was warranted and, and fair and reasonable on their end. And that primarily this team has an issue with when those guys go down, who fills in? And I think that now that you add DeAndre Hopkins to the mix and you have those six guys in Burks, Hopkins, Aconquo, Henry, Spears, and Phillips as your top six receiving talents on the field, dare I say this is going to be a very, very exciting offense to watch this year compared to, la compared to last year. Will it be the firework explosion of the Bills or the Chiefs or the, the Eagles this year? Uh, let's pump the brakes. Like, probably not. Certainly not out of the gate. New new offense with a bunch of new pieces. There's probably going to be a good deal of, of learning curve and growing pains. But all in all, assuming, assuming, big assuming, two things. One, people stay healthy, which always, you know, you never know with this team. And two, the offensive line improves in any way. Marge just somehow getting worse than last year would be incredible. It blew my mind. I'm not sure quite how they could do it. So if they are just better in it, even if it's 5% better than last year, then this team is going to be a much more fun offense to watch this year. Am I crazy? I, I don't think so. I think the biggest concern of that is that it's going to be a fun offense to watch. Uh, the main concern still is the offensive line, which kind of with yep. DeAndre Hopkins, yep. a, a fair point to be brought in now is that with DeAndre Hopkins signing, a free agent right tackle to fill in the gap that MPF leaves is kind of yep. out of the picture, I think. And it's out of the equation right now. So what you got in your, in your UDFAs and draftees like Jalen Duncan and John Ojukwu and Jamarco Jones and a lot of these guys, it seems like one of those guys is going to be playing and starting week one where, where he's playing. Yep. We still have no idea and we'll find out sooner rather than later, but we, we just don't know. Um, but it, but it's it's not the end of the world because you like you said you have a lot of these dynamic playmakers who now with DeAndre Hopkins don't have to don't have to carry the entire load of the offense. I feel like yep. if anything, DeAndre Hopkins brings the veteran presence that this team desperately needed on the offense, yes. um, especially yes. in the receiving game, and it it takes a lot of weight off. Guys like Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks and Chigakonkwo, who still will probably get their due, but don't feel like they have to do everything, every single snap. And I think that's just as important. Well, I think that's important. You, you, you spark an important thought on my head. Uh, what does this do in terms of pushing down the wide receiver core into a different position? And are they in more of a, of a you know, proper position? I don't know. I think... One of our dedicated listeners, Jordan Lowry, and I apologize if I'm mistaking you for somebody else, but somebody asked us today, like, do you think that this, this addition pushes the receivers down into their correct slots in terms of role on an, on an NFL offense? And I think it does, because before DeAndre Hopkins was brought in, what did you have? You had wide receiver one, Traylon Burks. That was correct. I think people are, it's fair to think that that's where he should be now, at least give him a chance to, to prove that he can be. But then that's immediately, now we're getting dicey, right? It's okay, Kyle Phillips is a wide receiver too, and not as an outside guy, right? So really like NWI outside, NWI, NWI number two, Kyle Phillips number three is your slot guy, your number one slot guy. Chris Moore is your four, you know, potentially on the inside or outside as your as your rotational guy, your swing. Um, and then... Colton Dowell, seventh round rookie at five. Like it gets, you know, it's not great. Now 
You get Traylon Burks at one. You get DeAndre Hopkins at two. You get Kyle Phillips and, and or NWI at three and four. You get Chris Moore in that mix at four or five. You get Colton Dowell at six. Now, now that's more appropriate, right? Like Kyle Phillips is designed to be a three. DeAndre Hopkins, for the majority of his career, has been a one. For him to be a 1A, and some people are, I've already heard some people talk about, like, make no mistake. DeAndre Hopkins is not coming in to be one of the best wide receiver twos in the league. He's sorry, Traylon Burks. He's the one. First of all, I don't think it really matters. Like, I, my initial response is who cares? I think that they'll be kind of a 1A, 1B. Like, I think Hopkins will be your, 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 your chain mover. He's going to be your, your break glass in case of emergency go-to guy, maybe your number one target just in terms of volume. And Traylon Burks is going to be given the, the leash to be that big, and him and Chigakonkwo, they'll be the big explosive play, monster money play guys. Like they'll be the downfield passing, um, you, you know, play action across the middle, set them up for a massive yards after catch. Let's get the, get, let's just strap rockets to this guy's butt and let him go. That's, I, I think that's where you want Traylon Burks. Like I think that that's a great compliment and it's kind of a, Corey Davis, AJ Brown situation from 2019, 2020 that worked so well for this Titans team and for Ryan Tannehill. So if they're one, a one B great, if functionally in terms of the actual stats, Oh, you look at that at the end of the year, Carolyn Brooks has less catches and yards and touchdowns than Deandre Hopkins. Like, okay, fine. But look, look, use your eyes. Look at how they were used on the field. Okay. Burks is unequivocally always now your outside guy. He's going to be your outside guy. He's going to be your explosives guy. Hopkins is going to be, your your one B, your one your one B in terms of how you're functionally using them on the field, and I, I just think pushing them now down into okay, and then then you get Kyle Phillips, NWI as that three four, Chris Moore as that four five. Suddenly you feel a lot better about these ranks, right? Well, let me just to to end this off because I agree with you. Um, okay, what what we talked about on our on literally the last show that was called that was called we're once again talking about deandre hopkins well now we actually have a reason to um but but we're now once again to, once again talking about deandre hopkins yep there we go um Traylon burks will fit a role and it, it's it's kind of hard to make these comparisons and i don't really want to go super in depth to these comparisons because i feel like the arizona cardinals just run an entirely different offense but Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins both fit each other and complemented each other very well for when they were both on the field in Arizona. And I feel like you can get the same exact outcome here. Like Traylon Burks playing that outside mm. Marquise Brown burner role on the outside, making the deep plays, making the deep across the field plays where DeAndre Hopkins is kind of letting him not have as much coverage is going to work out a lot better than people think this year. And they're going to complement each other. I also just was curious to see, as you said, cause I also saw that tweet by uh, Mina Kimes today and was pretty intrigued just to go back and see um, last season with the Cardinals, like what Deandre Hopkins was doing mm. last year, even before the usage rate, um, right. the usage rate. So Deandre Hopkins played 553 snaps last year, 421 of those snaps were out wide but he did play 131 snaps in the slot. And while he is still very much being used out wide, I think combined with how many he played last year in the slot and also the kind of notion that Tim Kelly liked to use DeAndre Hopkins inside in the slot in 2019, it, it now it's not, as I said, it's not going to give Kyle Phillips a lot more production but I think it's going to allow him to stay on the field more. Like Kyle Phillips will now no longer mm. have to be this all-time slot guy. And as we saw last year, it was hard for him to stay on the field. If he doesn't have this increased role. Third like, down merchant, he, baby. He, he will, he'll be able to actually be a factor, which his factor may as well just be availability. And that's just not something that he had last season. And so I think adding DeAndre Hopkins to take some of the pressure off and play both out wide and also on the inside is, is a good thing both for Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyle Phillips. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and before we wrap up the D-Hop discussion, one last thing. You know, you know, if you listen to the show, we really, really rarely engage in this kind of blatant black and white 
um, red red meat, empty calorie prediction of the future. Like typically we, we laugh at that kind of thing, but I, I can't help myself today because the parallel is so interesting. And because I really would just like to get it on the record now just for funsies, just, like this is not that deep, just for fun. I want you and I to kind of put out there what we think this duo is going to do in DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Brooks, because you're already seeing the comparisons of, oh, you, you know, kind of like AJ Brown and Julio Jones two years ago. Now you've got new AJ Brown and Traylon Burks and similarly aged DeAndre Hopkins. Like what's that duo going to look like in Tennessee? So I went and I found the numbers in 2021 Titans wide receiver, AJ Brown at the time, 24 years old in year three and Julio Jones at the time, 32 years old. And in year 11 combined for a disappointing 94 receptions, just over 1300 yards and six touchdowns. In 2023, Traylon Burks, 23 years old, year two, and DeAndre Hopkins, 31 years old, year 11, are going to combine JT for what? What is your prediction? Their combined stat line in those three categories. And if you need a second to think about it, I can go first. You you can go first. <laughs> let me let okay. me let me think about this. I think I have okay. I have answers for two of the three. There's one that I just like. It's so hard to tell. Um, in the, all three of these, it, we're just really just throwing a dart yeah. at the board here. Just for I guess fun. then then let me then I'll, then I'll go first see. because I think because I think okay. I have I think I have my answer. I think they're going to go over okay. in receptions, mostly because okay. I think this offense just like from that Julio Jones and AJ Brown like there's and, and like last year as well like there's nowhere to go but up in the receiving, especially with Tim Kelly now. Like I think well, that we is have going to say to be this: so like if, if these two guys in Hopkins and Burks play all 17 seasons or anywhere close to it, they will they will fall into break like they they will accidentally break all of these numbers because I think so. I mean, this is not DeAndre many Hopkins was getting Julio and AJ that year. Yeah, like DeAndre Hopkins was getting like 14 targets a game last season. Like even if he, if, even if you cut that by like, he was 25%. on pace to break all three of these numbers by himself <laughs> last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, even yeah. if, yeah. Even if you like cut his target share from Arizona last year by like 25%, he's still going to get like nine targets a game. And then you also like, right. They're going to get the receptions. I think they're also going to get the touchdowns by virtue of just now, like now you have these two threats to deal with. So I think the red zone opportunities become a lot more interesting. The yards, I think also you just, you, you, you break that on accident, but also just like th there is Ty J Spears, there is Kyle Phillips and there is Chigakonkwo to also consider. Um, but I think at least one of these guys gets over a thousand. So it'd, I'd, it'd be hard pressed to say that like the other doesn't get at least like 300 yards. <laughs> Right, right. And it's tough because that, that's the point. Like, again, if, if these guys play all of their games, then they're going to break these numbers. But they're they're both members of the Tennessee Titans. And we, we one is 31 <laughs> years old and one is a guy who in his rookie year we saw miss a bunch of games. So I'll, I'll go a somewhat conservative route. I'll say that they combine this year. I'll, I'll say they go over in all of them. But to put actual numbers on it, you know, 94 receptions for Brown and and Julio. I, I'll say that they combine for 145 receptions. It's about where I would have been. 1,750 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's, that's my guess. It's like five and six touchdowns each, you know, seven to 900 yards each and like 60 to 80 receptions each that's kind of where i'm at so i'll i'll say a hundred what did i say 125 receptions did i say 125 145 145 no yeah i better say that sounds low 145 receptions seven 1750 yards and 11 touchdowns that's my guess that's my shot in the dark we'll revisit this and laugh at how ridiculously wrong i was in six months um now we can be done with the DeAndre hopkins talk we're not quite done today we've got like two things to bring up real quick um just other news tidbits the first of which the running back market woof this this is some news that was being talked about a lot earlier in the weekend um adam Schefter tweeted out the Bengals running back joe mixon who today shout out jt who had 9.4 million dollars non-guaranteed base salary this season has agreed tonight i think this was on, on saturday or friday to restructure his contract to remain in cincinnati quote joe's goal is to win a super bowl and play his career in cincinnati and this is the best way to accomplish these goals, said his agent, Peter Schaefer. Um, in other running back news, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers and uh, Joe Mixon now both taking pay cuts to stay with their team. 
Dalvin Cook outright being released and not looking for a new contract, which you'd imagine is not going to be nearly as lucrative as he would have hoped. And uh, you've got a couple guys that have been franchise tagged, three guys that have been franchise tagged at the running back position, trying to lock in multi-year deals before Monday, such as Saquon Barkley. Um, not looking great for those guys. Like I, th- th- this position market is beyond bleak right now. Do you have any thoughts on on this position? And and well, like, I mean, there are very I'll few just, guys left in the league that are going to make any money. Well, I'll just add that. On top of those two guys, you have a 27-year-old Ezekiel Elliott and a 28-year-old Leonard Fournette who also have no homes in the NFL right now. Like, it, it very, very interesting to see how the market shapes up. I'll just say real quick on Mixon, I think, I think that was always coming. I don't think they were ever going to cut him, and I'm kind of glad, um, and I, I get his sentiment. I don't think there was ever any danger of him moving on because, once again, if you just look back at his career, and throughout well, his legal every, embattlement it, in recent like memory, the, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals took a chance on him during that that period of his life, and right. I think he owes it to them now a little bit to <laughs> to take that pay cut because I think I think the team really still does like him, but they're like, come on, man, like come, and he you may have nowhere else now. to go. Like there may be exactly. no better option for you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad he's sticking around. And to tie that news into some other news here in the AFC South, the Jaguars on Sunday before the D-Hop news announced that they had reached terms with standout tight end Evan Ingram. They agreed to terms on a three-year, $41.25 million deal that includes $24 million guaranteed per Ian Rapport and Tom Pelissero. Honestly, essentially a two-year extension. Yeah, it is. He was he was like, being tagged, so it's a two-year extension with the tag for $14.9 million per year after a career year he gets paid. Good, good for him. But I, I have going to say, like, these being, running backs, like yeah. Sa- Saquon Barkley has to be tilted over this right now. That Evan I Ingram so. is yeah. getting $15 million in Jacksonville, and he can't go, he can't get what he thinks he's doing. To go in New York. from Evan Butterfingers Ingram in New York to now like getting getting a contract extension and finding success. Um, it's got to be a little frustrating for him, especially Saquon, yes. who has stuck it out in New York. Yeah. One last thing. I, I really don't want to spend much time on this, but just like two minutes. My thoughts on the ESPN NFL coaches and execs poll that's been going out position by position the past couple of weeks. Um, the running back one came out at the end of last week, I think Thursday or Friday. And naturally, the the inevitable rage over Derrick Henry's ranking on this poll came forthwith and was was loud and furious. Um, so he clocks at number five behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs, of which I think Josh Jacobs is the only one where you're like, you think about it for a second. Um, but the others, like, I, I think that in my, in my mind, it's kind of those five at the top right now. Like I, if you, if you made an argument for any of those five to be your number one guy right now, I, I think depending on what element of the game, what element of their game you're talking about, you could make an argument for all five of those guys, but I think there's a clear upper crust in those five. And then there's kind of a drop off before your, you know, Aaron Jones's and your, your Joe Mixon's and your cam Akers or whatever, maybe. Um, and I feel like you can't, you I, can't even put Austin Eckler like super up there because the dude's never had like a thousand yard rushing like season. He's like, like, that's also a name. A, I was like, what about Austin Eckler? Yeah. And I was like, he's a little wider. He's like Danny. Well, he's always been <laughs> San Diego to now. <laughs> LA's Danny Woodhead and he always will be and you know what he's really well, good people mis- mistake this because if you're talking in fantasy terms it's like absolutely Eckler's yeah, up there maybe top also, three I think that's but also this is a running, talking about running backs yes dude that run. everybody's like everybody's yes. like Nick Chubb why is Nick Chubb up there like when Deshaun Watson came back he was like scoring eight fantasy points it's like no the dude's a good running back he doesn't <laughs> fantasy yeah. does not matter <laughs> to these right. Guys, right these execs weren't asked about they weren't asked to rank their top fantasy running backs they were <laughs> asked to rank their top running backs like that yeah. in the actual game um and so i think that number five on the list is perfectly reasonable for a guy in derrick henry arguably a tad low but the general designation of him firmly within that top five still i think is correct and fair but what what's interesting to me is this his perceived marginal decline over the past year or so is a really interesting topic the particular element of his game that has pretty definitively declined is that top gear, right? We used to see him regularly pull away from the fastest defenders on the field when given a full head of steam, right? And, and he's just, he's lacked that consistent top speed. 
in recent breakaway attempts and opportunities. Where I do think there's a fair question to be asked, though, is how much of his statistical decline is due to his physical limitations versus the fact that his offensive line situation has gotten consistently and precipitously worse the past three seasons. Like, there's, there's certainly some combination of the two. You know, yeah, he's gets dropped off statistically because he's starting to just get old, but also some of it's because he's got a, not a great offensive line situation and it's gotten worse every year as the year goes on. But how much blame lies where on either side of that coin is really fascinating to me. JT, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think I just think back to our episode with uh, Michelle Knezovic, who basically had the same point. Like she was, she mm -hmm. was very um, putting a lot of emphasis on the offensive line this year because she was like, Derrick Henry never had the opportunity to actually get to that next gear. <laughs> and like, because yep. the offensive line gave him no, no room. Can my to man run get north. five he steps before run, getting touched? He, he had five. To, he had to, get five, please? He had to run outside most of the time. Like he, that's, and that was how he was able to get outside and get upfield, but he had to take the extra effort before he could start getting going. Now, I, I think this year will be a very interesting this is the year I think for Derrick Henry um, to, and I think we'll get a lot of our answers because you are putting at least a little bit more faith in this offensive line with a couple other veterans who weren't on the Tennessee Titans, but who have been in offenses that predominantly have good running backs and have run the ball in past seasons. Um, you have a, a, the high, most highly touted offensive line prospect also now on your line. Um, but you do have that question on the outside. I'm interested to see how much it actually affects Derrick Henry. And if he's actually able to be given the opportunity, will we be able to still see that, that speed burst and having himself separate from defenders? Yep. Agreed entirely. All right. Look at us right on the hour mark before we get out of here. Got to uh, just do some housekeeping. If you are not following us on social media, you can follow us on any social, all of the socials at, hot read pod so please go and do that for your entertainment as well as just knowing you know where the things are like like when shows are happening when where and why and what's going on um also make Almost sure that you're following us on by the way on twitter on the hey show page. let's let's make that a goal can we get to 500 followers before on twitter before we get to the end of training camp that'd be nice if we could do that so thank you for that um if you are following and if you're not just give us a follow over there on twitter and on instagram and on tiktok also, follow us on YouTube on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Go subscribe, and then you'll find all the video versions of this show, all of our content up there. It's fantastic. We've pat ourselves on the back too much, but it's very good. You'll enjoy it. And you can go and uh, subscribe to us, of course, via podcast, the primary purpose of this show, at Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your good podcasts, the Hot Read Podcast. Go subscribe. Leave a rating and a review. Five stars, please, and thank you. Consider it a personal favor to me. If you do that, it makes it easier for us to sell the show. And uh, it's, it's helpful for the algorithm and all that good jazz. Also, announcement. If you have not heard, we've mentioned it before. We're going to mention it all season, baby. We are partnered with Zen Sportsbook, the newest sports book in Tennessee. And they're fantastic over there. we got a code. When you sign up with them, HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, for you to earn an unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus on Zen Sportsbook when you sign up with our code HOTPOD. And then after 15 days of that welcome bonus, does it go away? No. You go down to 3%, but that's for in perpetuity. Until the asteroid comes and take us takes us all out mercifully, you get 3% cash back on all your betting volume. And JT, is that on your wins? Uh, no, it is also on your losses. And it's just what bets might, placed, I, might I add? Yeah, bets placed. And I've been placing a lot of bets on the really bad Mets. And I'm still getting 3% <laughs> cash back. So win or lose, baby. Cash back in your pocket, not free bets, not site credit. This is money that you can withdraw and take home and put it in your pocket and spend it on whatever you want. So go over to Zen Sportsbook. You can download their app wherever you get your apps, whether it's the Google Play Store, Android, Apple, whatever that may be. And when you sign up, referral code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D. Thank you very much. Helpful to you, helpful to us. Check it out. They're awesome over there at Zen Sportsbook. With that, JT, announcement kind of bearing the lead here three show week for us and probably the, the first of many as we get back into the regular swing of things here but oh boy. this was a bit of an emergency podcast for monday because of the deandre hopkins news now we've got two more afc south roundups to do which we are planning on hoping to get done this wednesday and this friday we will have the 
Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars talked about a full episode each to their to their own. Um, we can dive into everything that we dive into uh, with these AFC South contenders for the Titans. If you didn't see the one with Zach Hicks um, on the Indianapolis Colts, go back and check that one out. Very, very fantastic episode. And then next Monday, a week from today, we're going to be doing our training camp preview pod because it's going to be training camp time. And then from there, it's all news from training camp. It's going to be all stuff fresh hot off the presses cannot wait jt i will see you later this week until then you'll have a great start to your week for producer jt i'm your host easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast we'll talk to you on wednesday